That's the Sports Report, 88.3 WCBN-FM. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Good evening, and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. Jim Dwyer <clears throat> is uh, off this week, family business. So we'll uh, talk to him next week. Uh, in any event, uh, kind of a monumental uh, turn of events in the presidential race. Just talk about that kind of briefly. Um, <clears throat> obviously, uh, Trump won Indiana quite decisively, and uh, rather shocking to see both Ted Cruz and John Kasich the very next night uh, get out of the race. I think in Cruz's case, it's, it was pretty clear <clears throat> he's uh, fighting for 2020 in any event. And I got the sense, listening to his sort of, uh, uh, shall we say, concession speech, a defiant concession speech, that he just didn't want to take the insults anymore, that he had kind of given up the fight, so to speak. He realized that the so-called party establishment <clears throat> was probably never going to get behind him for a variety of reasons. And um, let's face it, he took the Indiana loss personally. And Trump's interjection of his dad being involved in the handling of Lee Harvey Oswald based on a National Enquirer photo that was undoubtedly doctored who knows? Maybe it's true. Uh, what, what its relevance is to the Kennedy assassination, I have no idea. Uh, it is fairly well known, by the way, that Lee Harvey Oswald did hang out with a panoply of Cuban 
exiles that both were pro-Castro and anti-Castro, which is one of the enduring mysteries about the movements of Lee Harvey Oswald when he came back from the Soviet Union. The United States government has never satisfactorily answered many questions about Lee Harvey Oswald. But I'm highly skeptical that the National Enquirer last week answered uh, many questions either. And for Trump to sort of cavalierly uh, refer to it in his, uh, as part of his plethora of attacks on Ted Cruz, calling him lying Ted all the time, when in fact he's the one that's lying all the time, uh, Ted Cruz is just simply a, a true believer in the conservative um, cause, and he basically got outflanked, so to speak, on the outside by Trump. Uh, one observation that numerous pundits have made about the Republican primary is that the anti-establishment, quote-unquote, anti-establishment candidates, Cruz and Trump, were consistently winning uh, about 65 to 70% of the primary votes, regardless of what state it was. And Trump pulled a kind of an interesting, what I would call red-baiting tactic on Ted Cruz that I don't think he quite caught a couple weeks ago. It was after the New York uh, drubbing that Cruz suffered. And what did Trump do? He conveniently interjected this absolutely irrelevant circus called bathroom politics involving transgender, the transgender bill in North Carolina. Donald Trump said, oh, yes, Caitlyn Jenner can use any bathroom she wants in Trump Tower. Of course, what Trump doesn't tell the public is that you can't get into Trump Tower unless you go through security. So I bet 99.99% of transgender people wishing to use a bathroom in Trump Tower would never uh, be allowed in the building or pass security. Caitlyn Jenner, uh, who is actually an avowed Republican, might well be. And in fact, I think she, she I am sometimes uh, perplexed about what to call the Former uh, gold decathlete known as Bruce Jenner, whether it's he or she, whatever. Uh, he's a, she's a celebrity. She's a reality TV personality, just like Donald Trump. And, of course, Ted Cruz fell for the bait, and then he started ranting and raving about protecting his little girls. And I don't think that cost him a lot of votes, but it showed once again that Ted Cruz is... A little bit out to lunch on some issues. Yet the uh, profound party schism within the Republican Party remains. And it seems to me that contrary to what the media has said, they keep using the word presumptive nominee. I would emphasize presumptive. Uh, the Republican Party can still stop Donald Trump. Donald Trump does not have 1,237 delegates. Donald Trump will probably win West Virginia tomorrow. Nebraska may be a different story. And certainly if the Republican Party wanted to stop Donald Trump, they would organize an anti-Trump operation in California. 
California has arcane rules. The Republican delegates are distributed on a congressional district basis, and a stop Trump movement could indeed uh, deny Donald Trump quite a few delegates if it so chose to erupt. I suspect that uh, Ted Cruz and John Kasich and possibly even others are on the Republican ballot in California. I don't know. I know here in Michigan, uh, the Democratic ballot had Martin O'Malley still on the ballot. You could vote uncommitted in Michigan. And you could also vote for a phony Hispanic name who turned out to be some sort of Californian businessman. Didn't do any actual campaigning in Michigan. But I'm sure there's a few characters in California that are on the ballot. So let's wait and see what happens. Furthermore, the Republican convention itself could decide we're not going to accept Donald Trump as the nominee. We don't care what the voters said. We want to protect our party. And we're willing to accept defeat to protect the name of our party, the Republican Party. So I think that Donald Trump, in quote winning, actually had a very bad week. Uh, I don't think he mended any fences. We'll give him a brain damage award for suggesting openly that the United States default on his its debt. I guess Donald Trump's expression, make America great again, is a phony, fraudulent concept. Uh, because I don't see how going the way of Greece or Argentina, two countries that have defaulted on their debts in recent years, uh, could possibly make America great again. Uh, The United States dollar would be probably replaced rather quickly by the Chinese currency. So to even openly suggest what Donald Trump did last week is shocking. And is demonstrative that he is completely unfit uh, to occupy the Oval Office of the United States of America. Trump, of course, won for a variety of reasons over the past several months. Uh, One of the interesting aspects of the whole Republican campaign is it never was Trump one-on-one against somebody. Trump was always going to win a plurality of votes when you had a crowded field. I went back and found a uh, <clears throat> article from July 18th, 2015 of the New York Times. A huge Republican field creates opportunity as well as volatility. It has the mug shots of 15 candidates. John Kasich, by the way, had not yet even declared his candidacy for president, which, of course, was one of his handicaps as a candidate because the early money went to primarily Jeb Bush and Scott Walker, who, as it turned out, was one of the first members of this rather pathetic group of uh, people uh, to uh, drop out of the race. They show the mugshots of these candidates in alphabetical order. 
Jeb Bush. Well, I don't know if you're the brother of the most unpopular president in American history, how you can even contemplate running for the White House eight years later. Ben Carson never held elected office, wrote a book about his personal life, a memoir that sold about a million copies. No understanding of any policy issues, was absolutely pathetic in the debates. And what's he doing now? Well, he's in charge of Donald Trump's vice presidential search. Yikes. Chris Christie, current governor of New Jersey. Uh, seems to be a sort of a backdrop for Donald Trump. Not too sure what his role in the campaign is. But I don't mind calling them Jumbo and Dumbo. Chris Christie, he's the governor of New Jersey, has an approval rating in the 30s. New Jersey has numerous fiscal problems, but he's a tough-talking guy. He tells it like it is, quote-unquote. Ted Cruz is the fourth guy on this mugshot list. Well, he's still the senator from Texas. He's gone back to work. He doesn't have, well, next week he'll go back to work whenever it is. And he doesn't have to worry about too much. He doesn't have a senatorial race for another two years. Carly Fiorini, named by Ted Cruz as the VP in a kind of a gambit scheme, uh, last-ditch effort of desperation, didn't work. No government experience. Former business head of Hewlett-Packard, famous for laying off thousands of workers. And doing it in a very unpleasant manner. Lindsey Graham. Uh, kind of an interesting casualty of the process. Claimed his expertise was foreign policy. What was his big advocacy? Going to war in Syria. Never got above the uh, junior varsity in the debate uh, phase of the uh, process. Um, dropped out of the race, endorsed Jeb Bush, who promptly lost and got out of the race, and then he endorsed Ted Cruz. And the endorsement came with a strange endorsement that uh, if Ted Cruz were murdered, on, and I'm paraphrasing here, that if Ted Cruz were murdered on the Senate floor, nobody would call the police or issue mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation. Mike Huckabee, another has been, uh, was the standard bearer for the conservatives against John McCain after all the other candidates dropped out. He stayed in the race for no apparent reason for quite a while and uh, became a Fox talk show host. Bobby Jindal. <laughs> Always finished last in the polls. Uh, he and George Pataki competed for that. He was the uh, governor of Louisiana at the time of uh, July, on July 18th of 2015. Left office in Louisiana with massive budget deficits, uh, relatively unpopular. Uh, his big moment of fame was delivering the Republican response to the State of the Union one year when it looked like Bobby Jindal had spent the night on a coat hanger up in the attic somewhere in a belfry with a bunch of bats. 
and looked like he'd slept in four days. But he had that ever so memorable trip down the stairs right out of Gone with the Wind. Well, he's now the ex-governor of Louisiana, which, by the way, actually was won by the Democrats last November. How fascinating. George Pataki is ninth on this list of illustrious Republican candidates for president. He was governor of New York so long ago, I don't remember when it was. He adopted positions on gun control and abortion rights and gay rights that were completely out of touch with the Republican Party. Why he's still a Republican is unclear. He doesn't seem to have realized that the Republican Party, uh, he probably grew up as a kid as a Republican, but uh, was always called a moderate Republican. Uh, never uh, got up in the polls above 1%. Remained on the junior varsity circuit for the entire debate process and dropped out of the race with no delegates. Then there's Rand Paul, uh, who was confused about what he was doing. Uh, couldn't decide whether he wanted to run for re-election for his Senate seat. State of Kentucky, by the way, had to change their primary rules to accommodate Ron Paul, uh, Rand Paul, excuse me, Son of Ron Paul. They're easy to get confused. A libertarian Republican. Actually finished fourth in the Iowa caucuses. Dropped out after New Hampshire. Very strange man. Uh, he's apparently hates politicians but wants to keep his Senate seat in Kentucky. Never really ran for president seriously. And had a lot of fundraising problems. Because this message was going nowhere. And yet, at times during the debate, the, the, the debates that I actually saw, he performed well. Consistently attacked Marco Rubio, which is very interesting, because I think he saw Marco Rubio as a future rivalry rival in the Republican Party. Then there's Rick Perry, who began to sport glasses, the ex-governor of Texas. Uh, started sporting the glasses to make himself look a little more intelligent. Because if you'll recall when he ran for president in 2012, he said he wanted to abolish three departments in the government. And then he proceeded on national television not to remember the three departments he wanted to abolish. Uh, that's called the deer in the headlight moment, Rick. Oh, then Marco Rubio, uh, the sweat box. Uh, sweated profusely at many of the debates, looked like one of those uh, string dolls that said the same thing over and over, very programmed. Most of the uh, establishment money was on Marco Rubio being the eventual nominee, collapsed in the several of the debates, stayed in the race through the Florida primary, couldn't win his own state, couldn't even get 30% of the vote in the Republican Party, will not, will not be the senator from Florida uh, next year because he's retiring. And who knows what will happen to Marco Rubio, but he's rumored to be on Donald Trump's short list, which is rather remarkable because Donald Trump and Marco Rubio exchanged insults for a couple of weeks that were a little more X-rated than what I remember kids calling each other back in junior high school. 
This is on national television in front of children. These are people running for the president of the United States. Unbelievable. Then there's Rick Santorum, another former senator uh, whose big crusades were always abortion and homophobia. Uh, no particular expertise in policy. Uh, was the Republican standard bearer uh, for a while against uh, Mitt Romney. Uh, but Mitt Romney had that wrapped up pretty well. And then, of course, there's Scott Walker. A lot of big money was on him early. The debates uh, seemed to him to be uh, a time to wake up from a nap or a hangover. I don't know what it was. This guy could never get going. And he, I don't think he, he was the first of this motley crew to drop out despite the money. But he performed so poorly in the first two debates. He began to go down in the polls rapidly. Uh, the beneficiary of whom, by the way, seemed to have been Ben Carson. <laughs> Figure that one out if you can. And um, Scott Walker is currently the governor of Wisconsin, known for union busting, and is a very unpleasant fellow. And I don't think... Uh, by the way, he would have been the first, uh, had he won, had he become the nominee, would have been the first nominee to not graduate from college in American history. Quite a role model for uh, for America, I would say. And uh, kind of unclear how or why any big money was on him from the beginning. By the way, that was who the Koch brothers were, were backing. But Trump won for a variety of reasons. I just listed one of them. Well, this is a, quite a mediocre field. The two best candidates on paper were probably, of that 15 that I just listed, were probably Ted Cruz and, and Rand Paul. Um, Marco Rubio has done nothing in the Senate, and he got into all kinds of intramural disputes with Ted Cruz during the campaign that we don't need to relive because they weren't very memorable. But uh, Rubio couldn't win Florida. And, of course, I omitted John Kasich. I said his main problem was he got in too late, which is true. By the way, he did join this motley crew of uh, 15 about uh, six or seven days later. At that point in the process, Donald Trump had already insulted John McCain. And Rupert Murdoch, of all people, was openly feuding with Donald Trump, who called him immature divisive and stupid. <laughs> uh, I don't know if Rupert Murdoch has changed his positions, but who knows. But anyway, the large debate uh, created a circus. That helped Trump. We have arcane uh, GOP rules for the nominating process. Some of the states that tr Trump trumps his and glorifies his victories were states where he won a plurality and got all the delegates. Trump has gotten $2 billion of free media advertising by conducting interviews by phone that violate all of the television network's policies. By the way, CBS is the only television network that refuses to cave in on that issue. Um, Donald Trump, of course, has made so many promises that he can't keep. 
it's uh, rather remarkable that the ones that he's contemplating on keeping are going to result in a complete disaster for the United States. Uh, perhaps it's most outrageous. We don't need to go through all of them because they're in the dozens. There's 50 to 100 of these outrageous campaign promises. He's made more campaign promises in one year than probably any presidential candidate in American, all the presidential candidates in American history combined. But of course, his most outrageous one, and they're hard to sort out at this point, but the most outrageous one is clearly his, his claim that he's going to round up 11 to 12 million illegal immigrants and deport them. Uh, I want to suggest to you to read about uh, the SS, the, um, the German SS, uh, and what they did in Eastern Europe and how difficult it was for the SS to go into Eastern Europe uh, with the Wehrmacht uh, behind them, the German army, the Air Force, to round people up. Uh, Adolf Hitler and Goebbels and Eichmann and Heydrich and all the other Nazis uh, wanted to round up Jews in Eastern Europe and execute them or put them in slave labor camps. Donald Trump plans to do this in the United States, according to his campaign promises. So I want to know how this is going to happen, and I want to know what sane person in the media is going to start calling him to account on this. Is he going to create the American SS to, to fulfill this outrageous promise? Uh, the area between, uh, say, Los Angeles and California and uh, Corpus Christi or Galveston in Texas, uh, there's probably about 8 million illegal uh, immigrants uh, in that area of the country. That's not even half the size of the area that Germany uh, was attempting to round up these uh, Jews in Eastern Europe when Adolf Hitler invaded Poland. 1939, with the German Army and Air Force behind him. So I'm kind of curious how Donald Trump is going to keep this promise. Of course, the only candidate that ever called Trump out on this was John Kasich. The rest of the candidates uh, either said nice things about Donald Trump or claimed that he <clears throat> was helping the party because these debate ratings were getting 20 million people watching this reality circus, this farce, this outrageous presentation of the American people of responsible policies uh, that the United States government is supposed to be involved in. Then, of course, Bernie Sanders' message has helped Trump a little bit. I'll leave that one for uh, future shows because Bernie Sanders is obviously not dropping out. He won Indiana, not by much, but he won. He cut the delegate margin against Hillary Clinton by three or four delegates, but he remains behind her in pledged delegates by 11%. Let's face some facts here. Bernie Sanders got clobbered in primaries in Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Texas, Arizona, Virginia, Tennessee, Arkansas, Ohio, Pennsylvania, New York. Hillary Clinton narrowly won Indiana. I mean, excuse me, Illinois and Massachusetts. Bernie has some primary wins, but I just kind of 
I should throw in Missouri. Hillary also won Missouri. Has some caucus wins, has some primary wins, but uh, his problem is not with superdelegates. His problem is that Hillary Clinton has been pretty roundly beating him in the actual primaries that have occurred in the United States of America. Bernie claimed that these states where Hillary had won were, quote, in the Deep South. I just listed most of them. They're not just in the Deep South. They go all the way from Arizona to, Mass to, to Massachusetts. They include Connecticut, Maryland. I, I omitted a few, but Hillary will lose West Virginia tomorrow. Bernie will probably win Oregon in a couple of weeks. And the Democrats actually have a primary in Kentucky because the Republicans threw that into the caucus pile. By the way, to participate in the Kentucky Republican caucus, they had one voting venue in each county. So to vote for Donald Trump, you had to get in your pickup and put about uh, 20 bucks worth of gas, probably in some of those places, just to drive to go show up for two hours to vote. And Donald Trump wants to tell us, he's winning, I'm popular, people are voting for me. Baloney. Then, of course, there's the false narrative that's helped Trump out, where the media has claimed that Donald Trump is winning because he, quote, tells it like it is. I'd like to know what he tells us like it is. He, he hasn't told the truth about much of anything. He had a convoluted foreign policy address a couple of weeks ago. I just mentioned his completely harebrained discussion of the American debt last week that would make Wall Street and the Federal Reserve and quite frankly, should concern most Americans that the American dollar would maybe be tossed into the Persian Gulf. And uh, Trump is proposing, by the way, to slap tariffs on China, Japan, Germany, I guess, uh, Mexico for sure, uh, wants to see tariffs of 30 to 35 percent. And then is openly suggesting to the very countries where he's going to slap the tariffs that we're not going to pay our, uh, our bonds off to you guys either. We want to renegotiate that. Uh, I don't think that's going to fly, brother. That's, uh, that's kind of a harebrained real estate concocted deal. And, of course, Trump is an expert on one thing. That's filing for bankruptcy. He's done that four times. So he knows how to renege on debt. Because he's created a brand. It's called Trump. Trump steaks, Trump water, Trump tutus. I don't know when the Trump porno movies are coming out. But when a presidential candidate actually says in an interview that uh, <clears throat> surviving and not getting, not contracting VD in the 1980s was my own personal Vietnam. That's a, that's a pretty amazing statement. It's a fairly insulting statement to actual veterans, some of whom are running around the country claiming Trump is going to save America. Well, he might be able to save America from venereal disease. I don't know. He's an expert. Just like to remind you that you are listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Do stay tuned. Yazoo City Calling is coming up shortly. I'd like to thank uh, Andrew for engineering once again this evening. Um, 
I think that the other one of the other interesting reasons that Trump won, Rand Paul was confused about what he was doing. Uh, he could have been a much better candidate than he was. 